Hey everyone, welcome to the Cornerstone Church Podcast. Our prayer is that through this message, you will find the Father, a family, and a fulfilling future. Be sure to connect with us online at Cornerstone Church Social to keep up with all things Cornerstone. Thanks for tuning in. God bless you, Mom, for your love every day, your first thoughts for your family, love and compassion as your way. God bless you, Mom, for all the things that you do, the meals, the hugs, and kisses, teaching us to tie our ship. God bless the mom with a career outside the home. You're like a superhero whenever that you roam. God bless the mom who chose to stay home. The countless things you do each day could fill a stadium-sized home. God bless you, mom, for the ways you put family first. Soccer games and car rides are all things that you carry in your purse. God bless you, mom, for faithfully bringing us to church. You live in a way that shows a life for God is a life of work. God bless you, Mom, for the songs that you sing us at night. When you sing and when you worship, you teach us what is right. God bless you, Mom, for all the time you spend in prayer. You sow so many seeds of faith and that are blossoming everywhere. God bless you, Mom, for the ways that you live out your faith. We are all first-hand witnesses of the difference that it makes. God bless you, Mom. Words can't express our love for all your amazing qualities. We thank our God above. A mother is a gift from God, each one designed in a special way. From the bottom of our hearts, we wish you a very happy Mother's Day. What's going on, Cornerstone Church? It is good to see everybody. Hey, happy Mother's Day to all the moms out there. Thank you so much for all that you do and you somehow stay mostly sane through all of it. It's, it's incredible. Um, I, I hope the fellas have amazing stuff uh, planned for you today, uh, like taking you out to uh, the basement or, you know, like <laughs> the, the living room, right? Letting you look outside. A lot of amazing things to do this year to honor the women in our lives. Uh, but hey, man, it feels so good uh, to be back together worshiping. I'm so excited uh, uh, for what I'm going to be sharing with you guys today as we look at the Holy Spirit, getting to know the Holy Ghost. Uh, he's kind of like the, the weird uncle of the Trinity, right? He's like, he's like the guy that we don't really talk about a lot. Like we hear a lot about the Father. We hear a lot about Jesus and the Holy Spirit. It's like, yeah, I mean, he's great. He's like, he's out there, but we don't really talk about him a lot. So we're going to rectify that today. We're going to be looking specifically at who he is, what he means uh, in our lives. So it should be pretty good. Uh, speaking of good, I want to start us off with a question. Have you guys ever, have you ever noticed, and you out there too, have you ever noticed that whenever someone says, hey, this is for your good, it's usually in the midst of something not too good happening? Like it's, it's usually whenever you're like going through it, right? And someone's like, hey, 
this is for your good, right? Like, it's, it's usually something that we say to kids. Like, generally, I, I know I feel like I say it all the time to my kids. If there's green stuff on the plate, like, I'm like, please just eat it. Like, please, I don't want to have to deep fry it. Like, I don't want to have it have to be candy. It's for your good, right? If you eat this, you're going to be better off down the road. And then we don't just say it to little kids. We say it as we get older. Like if, if you got a teenage kid, and they just got broken up with, right? Like your daughter got broken up with. You're telling them like, hey, he was a loser to begin with. I never liked him. Like I never liked him. You're, you're going to be better. This is for your good that this is happening, right? And essentially what we're trying to get across, the message that we're trying to communicate is that, hey, I know it may not feel like it, but today's setback is tomorrow's success, Today's setback is tomorrow's success. It may not feel like it right now. It may not look like it right now, but it will be. This is for your good. I would encourage you, write that in the comments right now. It's for my good. It is for my good. Now, if you will, open up another tab, or if you've got your physical Bible, you can go with that. But we're going to be in John 16 to start off today. I want to give a little bit of background first. So John 16, where we're at in this gospel, Jesus is three years into his earthly ministry, right? He's three years in. He's uh, got a big following of people uh, uh, who are, you know, following after him, listening to his teaching, believing he is someone sent from God. Uh, but dominoes are starting to fall, that it's very clear we are entering the final phase of his ministry. And so what Jesus wants to do is he wants to give his disciples a little bit of a heads up on like, okay, here's the agenda of what's coming up. Okay, I want to let you guys know. And so he lays it out for him. He lets them know, hey, I am going to be arrested. I'm going to be tried. I'm going to be killed. I'm going to come back from the grave. And then I'm going to return to my father. Like he lays all of this out to his disciples in detail in John chapter 16. And this is just so like, this is just so us. Like, if you've ever felt like you can't relate to people in the Bible, you just haven't read the Bible. Because Jesus explains all this to his disciples, right? Including, I'm going to die and I'm going to come back to life. And the thing that they focus on is, whoa, 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 hold up. You're leaving? Well, where, <laughs> where are you going? Well, we're, we're, you're leaving us, right? We, we focus on the things that just affect us. We're like, yeah, yeah, you're, you're going to die and come back, but where are you going? Like, why are you leaving us? And they just can't wrap their heads around it. And this is where we pick up John chapter 16. This is what Jesus says, starting in verse four, talking to his disciples. I did not tell you this from the beginning because I was with you, but now I'm going to him who sent me. Now, none of you asks me, where are you going? Rather, you are filled with grief because I've said these things. Again, right? They're just, they're just concerned. They're like, man, you're leaving us. But very truly, I tell you, and I would wager right here that what Jesus says in this statement is probably like top three most shocking things he said throughout his entire ministry, which is crazy because Jesus' ministry, his entire ministry was shocking. Everything he said was a paradox, right? You want to be first, be last. You want to be greatest, be the least, you, you want to be proud. You want to be out there. You need to be humble. Everything he said was just a paradox and just turned everything uh, on its head. It was so countercultural. So for this to be the most shocking thing he said is saying something, but I believe it is. This is what Jesus says. But very truly, I tell you, it is for your good that I am going away. It is for your good. Some translations of scripture say it is to your advantage that I am leaving you. Some translations say it is better that I am leaving. It's better. Think about that. If you're the disciples in that moment, you have to be going, whoa, 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 Jesus, it, it's better. It's for my good. You are the only good in my life. 
You're the only good in my life. Up to this point, I've experienced, man, I'd be out still trying to catch fish right now if it wasn't for you. Like, I'd still be collecting taxes if it wasn't for you, being hated by my whole community. I would still be in a life of sin if it wasn't for you. You are the only good I have, and somehow you leaving is good. How in the world is that possible? And I gotta imagine that's what they're thinking. And this is before his death and resurrection, right? This is before that even happens. Post death and post resurrection, like you're leaving? No, <laughs> you're sticking around. We gotta show you off, man. Like we gotta go up and be like, hey, remember this guy you killed? He's back. <laughs> like you thought we were gonna start a revolution before, now it is on. Like we are really starting something now because we got Jesus with us. You cannot, you can't leave. How is this good that you're leaving us? We need to start our revolution now. We need to bring the kingdom of God now. How is it going to be for our good? But Jesus, you know what he does? He does what any good communicator does. He answers the questions of the crowd before they even ask it. So before the disciples even get to lob, like lob any of those questions back, he jumps ahead. He says, hey, I'm leaving you, but this is what he says in the next verse. Unless I go away, the advocate will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. So right there, Jesus is going, look, 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 I know you're not gonna like it. I can already see the look on your faces. But just hear me out. If I go, I will send you the advocate. That word literally means I will send you a helper. I will send you aid. I will send you a rescuer. Jesus is saying, look, if I leave, it's to your advantage. And that is your advantage, the advocate. The advocate is your advantage. And again, I know, because I, I got to imagine if I'm those disciples, I'm thinking, but man, Jesus, you've you changed my life. Like you came into my life and you changed my life and you started this change. And man, you stirred up this, this fire inside me. Like whenever we read scripture, we actually see there's multiple instances where uh, someone will be talking to Jesus and uh, specifically the, the two people on the road to Emmaus. As they're talking to each other, Jesus appears and he starts talking with them. And after Jesus leaves, they say to each other, didn't you feel our hearts get stirred up? Didn't you feel that fire rise up in our hearts as he was talking to us? And that's what Jesus did to everyone he came into contact with. He stirred up a fire in their hearts. And so they're going, Jesus, you, you stirred that up. You got it going. You changed my life. And now you're leaving. How can that be better? Does anyone remember regular TV, like pre-HD, <laughs> pre-HD TV, right? Just like regular old TV. I know I got some older people who are like, regular TV? I remember black and white. Like, I get it, right? I get it. But I'm just talking just regular old TV. I'm, I'm 32, so I remember pre-HD TV. And I remember whenever they came out with HTV, you guys remember? It's like, this is a scam. This is a scam. They're just, it's a marketing scam. TV is as good as it can get. Like the clarity, this is it. We've reached the pinnacle. And so this has just got to be some kind of marketing scam. They just want to get new TVs out, right? They've already progressed. It used to be essentially a big piece of furniture. Like it was actually a wood piece of furniture in your house. And now we've got it to this nice, you know, more condensed and it's manageable. Like TV can't go any better than this. Then I watched my first football game on an HD TV. Like, mind blown. I can remember where I was at. I was at Doug Fanoni's house with my dad watching a football game, being like, this is incredible. You can see everything. Like, this, is, this isn't fake. Like, HDTV is a thing. This is amazing. This is so crazy. It changed my perspective on it completely. And here I was thinking TV couldn't get any better, right? My experience changed everything. 
So Jesus tells his disciples, look, look, I know you still don't get it. I know you're still confused. I know you're still wondering how could anything be better than what you're experiencing right now. But he tells them, hey, look, just trust me. After all of this stuff happens, after I'm arrested, after I'm killed, after I come back, after I leave to my father, you need to stay in Jerusalem. That is when I will send the helper. And that's where we pick up in Acts chapter two. This is what it says. When the feast of Pentecost came, they, being his disciples, were all together in one place. Without warning, there was a sound like a strong wind, a gale force. No one could tell where it came from. It filled the whole building. And then, like a wildfire, put that in the comments, like a wildfire, the Holy Spirit spread throughout their ranks, which I'm just going to be completely honest. I'm noticing something here. First off, they were all together in one place, not social distancing. Governor DeWine, Dr. Acton would not be very happy with them there. And then look, look what happens. It spread through their ranks. They all got infected, man. This is, I mean, you don't think the Bible is timely? Are you kidding me? This was written 2,000 years ago, right? <laughs> but see, the disciples right here in this moment, and if, if we had time, we would continue reading in Acts 2, we see that they start boldly proclaiming Jesus as king of the world in the very city where just 40 days earlier he was murdered. Murdered. And they're boldly claiming without fear or anything And so they're experiencing firsthand, okay, this is what he talked about when he said, it's for my good. (laughs) This is what he was talking about whenever he said, something better is coming. There's an advantage on the other side of this if we can just get through it. This is what Jesus was talking about. Now, one thing I want to hit on the Holy Spirit too. I know I was kind of, you know, the social distancing thing and the infection thing. Here's another correlation between the two, right? Coronavirus, Holy Spirit, except one is like deadly and one's life-giving, right? I I get that's a a pretty big difference. (laughs) But here's another one, right? So the coronavirus, what? They say it's airborne, can survive in air for what? Up to three hours. So, you know, a cough, a a droplet, stuff like that. It can survive uh, in air. The Holy Spirit, also airborne. Also airborne. I want, I want to dive in. These two words, these two words, ruach and pneuma, ruach and pneuma. These are words that we see time and time again used in scripture to describe the Holy Spirit, the Spirit of God. Do you know what these words mean? If you do, bonus points to you in the comments. Without a Google search, if you know, kudos to you. You should be up here preaching too. <laughs> but what these words mean is a blast of air, a current of air, or a strong breeze. This is what it means. That's what those words literally mean, is a strong gust of air. And that is how the Holy Spirit is described time and time again throughout Scripture. The Holy Spirit is literally a breath of fresh air. (laughs) Have you ever had a breath of fresh air? Whenever you're in a room and it's stuffy, or you're in a car and it's stuffy, the AC ain't working, and you get outside for the first time and you just... And you just feel it, like it just fills up your lungs and you feel refreshed and you feel rejuvenated and you feel just, you feel better than you did, right? That is what the disciples experienced in that moment when the Holy Spirit came, a breath of fresh air. It was airborne when the Holy Spirit came. They experienced it in that moment. They had that instant proof of what better looked like when Jesus was talking about it. And here's the thing, not just in that moment, but in the days and the weeks and the months to follow in the years to follow. The disciples didn't just have that one moment that they had to keep looking back on. Like, man, remember the Feast of Pentecost? Wasn't that amazing? They had a mountain of evidence the rest of their life that, you know what, Jesus, what you said is true. 
what you said is true. If, if you could have stayed here physically present with us, or we could have the power of your Holy Spirit living in us, we would take the Holy Spirit every time. Yeah. No offense to you, but you were right. This is better. This is better. We, we would prefer this. We need this in our life. And the reason they felt that way is because throughout the rest of their life, they got to experience who the Holy Spirit is. They got to experience the kind of power he has. And that's what we're going to dive into real quick. Who is the Holy Spirit? Who is he? Well, he's our counselor. He's our advocate. He's our comforter. How many moms out there right now are seeing this and like, find me a man who can be them three things right there. <laughs> counselor, advocate, comforter. You're like, man, if this is, this is what I can get if I sign up, if I haven't accepted Christ yet, where do I sign up? Like, I want that, right? <laughs> but what does this mean? What does he mean that these are his, his job titles, essentially? He is our counselor. He literally is our guide. He is that voice that tells you, this is the way. This is what you need to do. This is how you need to start acting. These are the thoughts you need to start having, stop having. And you know what? He's not just a counselor. He is the best counselor. You want to know why? Because I've, I've counseled people, and I know plenty of uh, counselors uh, in my life, who they'll meet with people. They'll hear their struggles that they're going through, have the questions. They'll talk with them. They'll give them their best advice. And then that person will go out, completely disregard it, and then come back and be like, I did everything you said. It didn't work, right? The thing about the Holy Spirit, you can't lie to him. You can't lie. You can't be like, I tried. He's like, no, look, I told you what to do. I told you how you need to act. I told you that you should have spoke up in that moment. I told you you should have, you know, stepped back. I told you what you needed to do and you didn't do it. And he convicts us and he helps shape us and help mold our heart into where it needs to be. He is the perfect counselor. He's an advocate. Now, a lot of times, and this is a little bit theological, okay, but a lot of times whenever we see this word advocate, we think that's right. The Holy Spirit, he is our advocate before God. And, and that's how that works. That's not what that means. Jesus is our advocate before God. Again, we could, man, we could get into this time and time and time again. Uh, we could go for hours. Jesus is our advocate before God. He is our intercessor, making us righteous before God. The Holy Spirit is not our advocate to God. The Holy Spirit is our advocate to us for us. The Holy Spirit is our advocate saying, don't you remember who you are? <laughs> don't you, this is not the lifestyle you should be living. These are not the thoughts you should be having. This is not the way you should be talking. You should not be in this negative self-talk. You are a son and a daughter of the king. Like the, the, he advocates to us on our behalf. He reminds us who we are, who we truly are, who we are now that we have been redeemed, that we have been bought with a price, that we are accepted, that we are secure, that we are significant. That is what he advocates for. He reminds you of who you are in Christ. And then lastly, he is a comforter. I don't know about you, I've needed this one a lot ever since March 11th. <laughs> I've needed this one a lot because there have been some scary times. There's been a lot of, are we gonna get out of this times? What's this gonna look like when we do get out of this, right? I mean, man, he is a comforter. He is that steady voice when you have the death of a loved one saying, hey, it's gonna be okay, you're gonna get through this. He is that reassuring hand whenever you, you somehow make it through that divorce intact, right? He is that calm, reassuring hand that comforts us in the middle of job loss and, and, and financial setbacks. That is who he is. He is our comforter, calming us and reassuring us. 
then I don't know about you, I need someone to do these things for me because none of this comes natural to me. <laughs> you, you may be better off than I am, but I, I'm not naturally giving myself the best advice on what I should do. Like if I just follow my own instincts all the time, it ain't good, <laughs> right? Like a, a, an advocate, I need an advocate because man, I can be hard on myself. I don't know about you, but I can get into some negative self-talk. I can have bad self-esteem feeling like, man, there is no worse person in the world than me. I need someone to remind me who I am in Christ. And comforter, man, I need that because I can go on the worry train and we can take a trip around town like seven times. I don't know about you, but I can be like, man, when is this going to end and everything's going to fall apart and how, how's this going to look? And I need someone to remind me that things are gonna be okay, someone to comfort me. I need these things, and to have these things, I need to be under the influence of the Spirit. I need to be under his influence. This is what uh, an early follower of Jesus, the Apostle Paul, this is what he says in a letter he wrote to a church in the city of Ephesus. This is from Ephesians chapter five, verse 18. Paul says, don't be drunk with wine because that will ruin your life. What he's talking about here, drunk with wine, is the idea of, hey, don't follow your natural instincts, your natural urges. Don't follow what just feels normal to you. Instead, be filled with the Holy Spirit. Paul is commanding you to be under the influence, <laughs> just the influence of the Spirit. He's telling you to be filled with the Holy Spirit. That means listen to his counsel. When he is a counselor in your life, when he's giving you advice, whenever he's telling you to step out in faith, you listen to that counsel. He's telling you whenever he is advocating on your behalf, reminding you who you are, you, you listen to him. You believe what he says. You say, that's right, I am secure. Even though it doesn't feel like it, I am significant. Even though it doesn't feel like it. That means when he comforts you, you take comfort. You do all of those things. And as you do that, you are being filled with the Holy Spirit. Man, so often I see Christians, people who, who believe in Christ, and they're not, having any, I, they're not having any way that you can tell they are full of the Spirit. And it's heartbreaking. It is absolutely heartbreaking. My friend Jamie came over the other day and helped me clip down uh, some branches that really needed it bad at our house. And uh, he had a chainsaw, and he came over. He sets it down. He's telling me about it. It's like a 25-year-old Husqvarna. But if you buy a good brand and you take care of it, those things can last forever. And he's like, man, this thing can get the job done. It's crazy the stuff I've cut down. So he gets down on the ground and starts pulling in. Nothing. He's like, what in the world? Nothing. And he goes, hold on. Unscrews the gas cap. Sure enough, the thing is bone dry. He's like, are you kidding me? He's like, all right, I need some oil gas mix. I didn't have any. So he's like, all right, I'll be right back. So he only lives a few minutes away, drove home and got some. But as I'm looking at that, I'm like, man, if that isn't the state of sadly so many Christians, this incredible chainsaw, this incredible tool, and there's nothing in it. It's useless because there's nothing in it. And I think, man, how often is that us? We are this powerful tool that could do amazing, amazing things, but we are not full of the Spirit. We are just completely empty. We are bone dry. If that's your prayer today, I want you to post in the comments, fill me up. Fill me up. I want filled with the Spirit. I want filled with the Spirit. I want to be able to live to my potential, to live to my capacity. This is what Paul writes in this same letter to the Ephesians. He says, I pray that out of his glorious riches, he may strengthen you with power through his spirit in your inner being so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. I think there's another one coming up. 
Yeah, and I pray that you, being rooted and established in love, may have power, together with all the Lord's holy people, to grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ, and to know this love that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled to the measure of all fullness of God. Full to the measure, (laughs) filled to the brim with the Spirit. You see, as we fill ourselves with the Spirit, as we listen to him whenever he counsels us, as we take comfort in him whenever he comforts us, as we believe him when he advocates for us, we gradually are getting more and more and more filled until we are full to the brim with the fullness of God. That is what the Holy Spirit can do to me, and that's what he can do to you. He can fill us with the fullness of God. That's why some of the greatest people you've ever been around in your life are people who got that, and they are full of the Holy Spirit. They are people who believe when the Holy Spirit advocates on their behalf. They believe whenever he counsels them. They believe whenever he comforts them. That's why there's such a joy to be around. They're the chainsaw that is running, that doesn't go empty. (laughs) I want that in my life. I hope you want that in your life. Again, post it in the comments, fill me up. I love this quote. This is so good. And I don't know if I love the quote or this guy's last name more. This is from the Reverend Smith Wigglesworth. Now that is a name right there. This is what he says. Enter into the promises of God. It is your inheritance. You will do more in one year if you are filled with the Holy Ghost than you could do in 50 years apart from him. You want to know how I know that's true? 12 unschooled, ordinary men in a small little town in Palestine ended up changing the world, starting a wildfire that burned down the powers of the Roman Empire. That's how I know that's true. That's how I know that this is real. That's how I know that following the power of the Holy Spirit, we can ignite a revolution that will change not just our lives, but the lives of the people around us, the towns that we live in, the states that we live in, the country that we live in. We can change it through the power of the Holy Spirit. We can do more in one year than 50 years apart from him. You know what that means? That means that generational sin in your family that your great-grandfather had, and your grandfather had, and your dad had, and your brothers and sisters have, you can say, by God, it ends with me. Like this isn't going any further. Through the power of the Holy Spirit, you can say, this is enough. I'm putting an end to it. Through the power of the Holy Spirit, you can say, I know how people have lied about me. I know how people have turned their backs on me. I know how people have spread false rumors and lies about me. But you know what? Through the power of the Holy Spirit, I can forgive. I can forgive. (laughs) Through the power of the Holy Spirit, I can say, you know what? I release you. I release you. There there is no grudge that I hold against you anymore. You can do that through the power of the Holy Spirit. The potential in your life, the potential that always feels like, man, you're just constantly hitting a ceiling and you can never push through. You can do it. You can push through. You can actually tap into the potential that God has put into your life when you are walking with the Spirit and allowing him to fill you up. You can endure hardships through the power of the Holy Spirit. You can go through anything in life if you have the power of the Holy Spirit at work in your life. The Holy Spirit is real. He is powerful. And I might say this is the best of all. He's available. He is available. We can access him. So if you are like me and you want God to move in your life like a wildfire, there is one thing to do, and that is fan the flame. Fan the flame. Put it in the comments if you're believing that today. If you're going to start doing that today, fan the flame. I want to end on this. What do fires need? Fires need... Fires need air. They need oxygen. 
If they're gonna grow, if they're gonna burn, if they're gonna uh, spread, they need fire to literally feed them. The more air that they get, the more oxygen that they get, the hotter they burn and the larger they burn. The more air, the more fire, bigger fire, which brings me back to the Holy Spirit. What is the Holy Spirit? Ruach and Numa. He is the air of God. <laughs> he is the breeze. He is the gust. He is the wind. He is literally the air of the Spirit of God. So if you want a wildfire faith in your life, fan the flame. Give it air. Give it oxygen. Start feeding it. Start feeding it with the Holy Spirit. Build into it. Whenever he tells you to do something for the love of God, do it. Whenever he tells you to reconcile that relationship, do it. Whenever he tells you that you are a son or a daughter of God, believe him. Whenever he gives you comfort, take it. Keep doing that. And I promise you that little flame that flame that started in your heart, it's gonna keep growing and it's gonna keep growing. It's gonna get bigger and it's gonna get bigger. And before you know it, you're not just going to change. The people around you are going to change. The people around those people are going to change and you will see a wildfire literally break out in your neighborhood, in your community, in your workplace. You won't be able to stop it. You won't be able to stop it. I do not know about you, but I want that for me. <laughs> I want that in my life. I want a faith that doesn't just change me, but it changes everyone around me. If that is your prayer too, in this moment, I want to ask you wherever you're at, unless you're driving, don't, I don't want you to become the Holy Ghost, okay? <laughs> wherever you're at, let's close our eyes right now. And if you can, go ahead and just put your hands open and lift them up as if you're receiving, because we're about to receive from something from God right now. Let's bow our heads and let's pray together. Father God, we are so grateful. <laughs> you just continually outdo yourself. As if you weren't good enough in the beginning, you send your son Jesus so that we can see what love looks like with flesh on, that we can experience your fullness and your goodness in person. And then God, as if that's not enough, you outdo yourself again by sending us the Holy Spirit, a comforter, a counselor, an advocate to live with us every single day. God, I know we often think about, man, when we get to heaven, we're gonna ask Moses, what was it like to see a burning bush? What was it like to part the Red Sea? Before we can even ask that, Moses is gonna say, what was it like to have the living God living inside of you? It's so amazing, God. You are so good to us. We ask that you would send your Holy Spirit anew, a fresh wind, a fresh fire to infiltrate our ranks, to spread through our hearts like wildfire, to do a new work in us. And God, we know that we have a part to play in this. That means when the counselor counsels us, we take it. <laughs> when the advocate advocates to us, we believe him. And when the comforter comforts us, we take it. Help us to do those things, God, whenever we don't feel like it. Remind us, it is for our good. <laughs> it's for our good that he's here. It's for our good that he is saying these things to us. It's for our good that he is telling us what we should do and what we should not do because it's making us more and more into the image of your son. So Father, we receive your spirit today. We receive it in fullness that we can be filled to the brim, filled to the measure of the fullness of God. Start a wildfire here at Cornerstone Church that not the gates of hell will be able to put out. Amen. We love you and pray all this in your name. Amen.
Amen. Man, I am so thrilled that you worshiped with us today. If you have decided to make the Holy Spirit a part of your life, if you've decided to make God a part of your life, do not exit this window. Don't close it out without letting us know, okay? The host uh, uh, is going to be posting in just a second a journey starting point link where you can connect with us. We want to help you. We want to let you know what your next steps look like as you take this walk with Jesus, as the Holy Spirit becomes a part of your life. Please, please, please connect in the journey starting point. And also, if you want to dive a little deeper into this message, you want some discussion questions to kind of think on a little bit, we have uh, the talking points that you can also get in the comment section below. Uh, stuff for you to think about, to dive just a little bit deeper into today's sermon. Also, uh, there's a section where you can talk to your kids uh, about what we've discussed today too. So please take advantage of that and make sure you're back here next week. Make this part of your regular routine. I know it's so hard to be in routine right now because things are crazy, but we are here. <laughs> We're here every Sunday, right? 9, 11, 5, and 7, make us part of your weekly routine, worshiping with us uh, until we're able to get back together again. Uh, but the ministry has not stopped. We've just gone digital, right? We, we are still here. We're still uh, uh, here for you. We're here for our community. So let us know if you need anything. Thank you again for worshiping with us. You can now receive the blessing of the Lord. May Jesus Christ, our God and our King forever, be with you this day and every day. Amen. Well, that's all for this week. Thanks again for joining us. If you'd like to contact us or find out more about our ministry, head over to our website at cornerstonechurch.info. Have a great week.